Hi, I'm Tim Tarpley. This is my podcast, Level Up. Over the last several years, I was able to transform my life. I decided to share my journey in hopes of helping other people. So here we go. Hey guys, welcome back. Another episode, Level Up. Um, I just want to say a couple things. Um, you know, I always find the good in every situation. I believe everything you think that is bad or wrong in your life is not a setback. It's a setup to the next thing. Or you got to be able to look and learn what that lesson is. Maybe not in the moment, but days, weeks after you're you're going through it, I think is when you you kind of really you know look at your situation, and go, what could I have done to change the outcome? And um, you know, this episode I'm going to talk about. You know, I had an Ironman a couple weeks ago. It definitely didn't go as planned, um, and there's a few reasons why that was. And, you know, I'm just going to talk about that on here. And I, I had a lot of people, not even a lot of people, a few people asked me about it. And it was one of those things. Um, it was just so unbelievable, the whole situation, you know. So so we had um, in the woodlands on the October 9th, we had a race in the in the woodlands. It was an Ironman race that. I actually signed up for in 2018. It got moved. And then um, I had to defer it. And then the next year, COVID, so it got moved. And then that is normally in April. So of April of this year, it got moved again. And so you had an option of going to either this um, year in October Waco, October, Indiana, or next year, April. So, you know, I was just like, I, I was ready to just get this thing done. And, um, and it was kind of, uh, it was one of those things you showed up really not knowing what to expect. And, and yeah, we got there and there was only 800 people, 820 people in the race. Ironman normally has to 2,500 to 3,000 per event. But it looked like they had everything ordered up into for, for the capacity of that many athletes. Like porta potties, there was a whole line of porta potties. Um, but with only 820 people, there was no line. Like you could walk right up. And, and I've come so far in my training, in my nutrition just in my way of life. And I've got some very, very steep, uh, specific goals for next year. And so that's where, um, I'm just trying to get even everything I can dialed in. And, uh, and so that's where I, you know, my, my cat's going crazy right now. Uh, that's where I'm just trying to like work through all these little bugs. And, you know, I made the decision in Lubbock in June, um, I was kind of on the fence what to do next. And then after letting that, the issues in that race, 
kind of set in, it made me realize what I was doing going forward. Um, and so that's where, you know, this race, there was no nerves. We were calm, um, almost too calm, you know, and I've been in this situation so many times of, of these big events. So I know what to expect. And, you know, the thing is you have to, uh, you have to, um, you have to plan for the worst and have all of your stuff needed. And I think that's where so many times we don't want to plan for the worst. We just want to go in there and make the best happen. If that makes sense. Um, all right. So going into this race, I actually had my bike uh, fully redone, had it almost a little more customized than I normally would. And, and that's something that, uh, it took time, took planning, but there's only one guy that's ever worked on my bike prior to a race. And so I made sure he was the one that actually did it. And, uh, and I think it made a huge difference, um, you know, being dialed in how I wanted it to. So I, I was more prepared going to this race, you know, and normally, you know, with Ironman, you've got, again, that many people. Um, and this was way less. So it was a weird feeling, a weird vibe, just no crowds anywhere. So that being said, you know, my bike's all dialed in. I realized as I'm getting everything ready that I've loaned out so much of my stuff that no one's brought it back. Um, I've had I've lava pants, which they're little like neoprene knickers so you have that the buoyancy the flotation that you want in a long swim like this and oh gosh this cat oh my gosh this cat is attacking me it's crazy anyway um so i realized half my gear was not here um it's been a long time since i raced a long distance like this but um, I had the feeling in Lubbock that I didn't have everything and I started looking for the different things, just don't have it. And so I didn't really have a lot of time to order all new stuff and I'm getting new stuff for next year. That's a whole nother plan, but I had to make what I had work. I have everything I needed, not a big deal, right? Um, but, you know, there weren't the crowds there. So the time to drive, like everything that was changed, it was just super, super, super easy. But the real challenge, um, and they'd made this call out to have so many volunteers there. And there were a ton of volunteers. So one of the big things, you know, this race that we've heard could be a, a factor is there's no changing area. So when you come out of swim, you know, there is you're wet, you put on dry clothes, you know, things like that. So it's not, they had no changing area, but they had them differently. You didn't go through it first. So what they had you do is put your bags, your run bag, your bike bag next, next to your bike. And if you wanted to change clothes, they said you could use a towel, wrap it around you and change right there, which isn't that difficult, but it could be right. So that actually made the race very easy, easier for me only because I, my biggest concern was how to 
find my glasses, get my glasses, you know, whatever you want to say, because I've never raced wearing glasses before. Um, and that, that was one of my concerns was trying to get my glasses to my areas, things like that. Right. Cause they're normally far apart. So that made it easier right there. So took care of all that stuff in the morning, you know, bike was good. And then, uh, you know, even walking the swim, it was going to be wetsuit optional, which meant that if you want to wear it, you had to go the group in the last part of the swim, not, not towards the front, which I was fine with that. I knew, you know, what my swim time was going to be. It was probably a little behind on the disciplines that I, that we had been training for. And I had a full wetsuit, so it was going to get a little warm, but I knew how to cool off during the swim. And I remember as we're walking over to the swim, I looked down and there were so many kayakers there that you could quickly do the math and go, there's probably one kayak or lifeguard person per 10 athletes in the water, which is an incredible, it's incredible amount of odds. Now that's not counting the boats. That's just your, your kayak or paddleboard board personnel. Uh, there's also jet skis out there, you know, all kinds of safety measures. And so uh, again, ton of volunteers, ton of staff there. And, and so what I, you know, lesson you learn in the very beginning of this sport is, you know, you plan what your food is going to be. You plan how you're going to drink your water. And, and then what you do is you, whatever your plan is, you have a backup plan for that plan. And then you have another backup plan. Well, that was where I made my very big mistake. I, you know, seeing all the people, seeing the low amount of athletes, I had a plan. And then my backup plan was to be to use the race support along the way um, to help me achieve my goal. And so I, uh, you know, I put my, my bike nutrition, I had enough nutrition to get me to the halfway point of the bike. Then I had more food there to replenish my, my sources to get me to the end of the bike. Now, the halfway special needs point of the bike is 56 miles normally. For some reason, this bike was at 61-ish, which it kind of made no sense. They had the ability to put it at 56, it wasn't like it was on a weird turn or anything like that. They, the bike was on the toy, so it's super easy to adjust on a, on a straightaway, right? Anyway, so that was my plan. And now on the, on the swim, I never smelt anything bad. On the swim, you can a lot of times get bored. You can daydream, things like that, especially when it's a smaller field like this. Us wetsuit people, we were in the very back of the, the field, you know, and I'd set my garment up to, to beep or vibrate every 900 yards, 900 meters. I don't know what it was, 900. So that meant about four of those, I was almost there, okay? Um, I never once felt any kind of stress, any kind of anxiety. It felt good the whole time. Um, the only thing I did notice was like I had a weird shoulder cramp throughout, but otherwise swim was super easy, not congested. 
Um, I swam straight. I mean, it was just ideal. And then as you, you're finishing the swim, you kind of turn and you're, you're going into this canal. And the canal is disgusting. Um, I, again, did not smell anything, but I was noticing that my hand about this much was going into the mud in the canal. And I wasn't sure what it was. So I kind of stopped and, and pulled my hand up a look. And yeah, it was mud. It was this silty, nasty mud. And and that was um, that was shocking to me because I did not realize it was that shallow in there. I know my arms are long, but that's still pretty shallow to, to dig deep like that. So I had to try to adjust my stroke and, you know, pull it on a more shallow pull so I didn't hit the bottom because it like I said, it was disgusting, um, but I adjusted that. And then it, uh, you know, coming out of that water felt fine, felt great. Not a big deal. Right. It was like, OK, this is a this is a beautiful, great day. Um, and it was like on my run from. The swim out to transition, I see a friend of mine who did not wear a wetsuit, but I caught up to him and I thought, wow. I've never caught this guy before. He's, I know I had an okay day. He was not having a good day. And I yelled to him, he looked back, whatever, didn't say anything. But um, on that little jaunt up, my stomach was cramping. And my stomach doesn't cramp like that coming out of the water. And this was a deep lower belly Um like GI cramp. So it was a deep, deep, deep cramp. It was very, very uncomfortable. Looking back, I know exactly what it was, but at the moment I did not really have a clue, had not taken anything weird. Um, and, and it had me just kind of stumped. I was, I was, um, uncomfortable at best. My, my stomach was in, was in pain. It hurt pretty bad. And then, um, you know, for that first hour or so on the bike, you can't eat or drink anything because of that pain. And so you got to kind of get that to go down. And it was a pretty intense, you know, gasping and stuff. And so we're in that situation. You do try to force feed or get water in. It just kind of sits there. It doesn't do anything. Your, your stomach, your, your body's so tightened up inside that uh, it's not taking anything in. I knew what to do. I know now what I should have done this in transition before I even started the bike. Um, and it was about mile 30 at that water stop. I laid down. Uh, I set my bike to the side. I laid down and I just um, kind of tried to rub my stomach, massage it out, start passing a little bit of gas. And I remembered how um, this nurse at Dallas Baylor when I had back surgery and I had some severe gas pain, she kind of showed me how if you lay on your left side, it'll shift everything over and you can kind of release some of that. Well, that worked. I released a ton. It was like, okay, I'm feeling better now, but now I'm so far behind. It's been three hours at least since I've had any kind of calories or significant amount of water. Um, and again, this is mile 30. All I needed to go is about another you know, mile 56, some about another 25 miles to special needs where I can get 
any my the stuff I've put in there. You know, my neck is starting to get tight from fighting that wind. We had 25 mile an hour headwinds, which was not bad, but my body was already in distress from the the water. Um, and again, I still wasn't thinking that water was disgusting. I was still just at this. I don't know what's going on. Um, so then I was like, okay, when I get special needs, I can get my salt. I get my more food and I can kind of start from there. Cause in my special needs, I had different food. I had, I had food set for my first half, but a whole nother option, food options for the second half. And so that was where, that was where I was going to kind of change my plan a little bit, but the salt and, and water is what I really needed. And so that's where I was going to be able to correct that at that moment. That was the plan. Special needs. Make a little change. See what my body could take in. I knew I could restart the feeding process at that time, but I was very behind on my electrolytes and my water. Also had some eye drops at special needs because my eye gets really dry. Very uncomfortable. Had some allergy stuff in there. Just had all the kind of little emergency items I need. Well, I was in that emergency state. And so um, at this point too, my stomach is so distended, it's so big that I can't even have my cycling jersey zipped up. So it is unzipped, it's wide open. I don't even care at this point. I'm so uncomfortable, I'm so miserable. I do not think it's hot. It was high, um, 89 maybe. I did not think it was hot at all. Of course, we had 25 mile an hour headwinds. So that making it more difficult, but that would cool you off. When you did finally turn around and have that tailwind headed back towards the other side where the special needs was, um, it was going to be a huge help. Um you know, to, to regain some speed, but you're going to also heat up. So headed back, it's, uh, things are okay. They're not great. Neck hurts pretty, pretty bad. Had a leave in my special needs. A leave with me helps within about 20 minutes. It's good. And I'm, I just had all these things. I was really looking forward to my special needs. And I get to the, you know, get almost there. And I realized it's not at 56. It's on the other side, headed back into the wind again, and it's at about 61-ish, which kind of didn't make sense to me. I really needed it at 56, selfishly. But, um, and I get, and I'm like, I see it over there. I just have to go a little bit further, turn around, come back and hit the special needs. I can do that. I've suffered this long already. And so I uh, get that, and and I kind of, um, I didn't pass up the water, but I took less at this water stop at the turn because <clears throat> I was going to make a big stop at special needs and get everything else I needed and then take the time to do that. And again, that was a huge mistake. I get to special needs and everybody who I just saw five miles ago is not there. They have packed up. The truck is closed up. There's just a budget box truck sitting there. There's not a single person there. There's not a table. There's nothing there. And I'm and I'm thinking, did I did I dream this? Like I just saw it going this way. Turn around, came back, and now it's gone. 
I, I was I was upset. I was upset. I was ready to cry. Like this was pretty demoralizing to me. And I'm just shocked that that it just vanished like that. Um, and so I'm kind of sitting there like just don't really know what to do. And I thought to myself, I might as well open the truck and see if what's in there, see if my stuff's in there. Like at this point, I'm 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 pretty desperate. As I'm walking on the back, I, I put my bike on the side of the truck. I go on the back, these two other guys showed up and they're like, you know, what the hell? I'm like, I know. And they closed special needs an hour early. It was supposed to be open another hour. And I opened the truck. I'm inside the truck now and I'm looking for bags. I, I think I'm close to mine. I'm not finding mine. They, they're yelling their numbers. I find their bags. They're good. And after just a few minutes inside this truck, I'm like, guys, I, I can't be in here. I'm getting lightheaded. You know, like it's, it's hot in the truck. I'm very depleted on my, my system. And uh, I come out, one of the other guys go in, he starts looking for my bag. Like my bag is the only bag that's not been found. And uh, I even find my friend's bag and I'm going through her bag thinking she can have stuff. At this point, I tell the guys, I'm like, look, guys, I just need salt, you know, right now. They don't have any salt. They're going through now. And now we realize everybody else has lost their shit. So we start going through every bag that we can find that looks like it hasn't been disturbed. And, you know, at one point they find the bag of white pills. They're like, here's this could be salt. And I'm like, well, I'm not going to start throwing down some some pills that I think might be salt. And uh, so I, you know, break up on one of the pills. I taste it. It's not salt. Or if it is, it's some kind of weird other concoction of salt. And um, it, it's just no bag was to be found. I might have found a, found a cliff bar here and there, but my body could not handle a cliff bar at this moment. And and I um, it, we find some noon, which is a kind of it's supposed to be an electrolyte. It doesn't have very much salt in it. Problem is, it's it's kind of uh, fizzy, like carbonated. And I got super sick on that stuff in Tempe, Arizona many years ago. So I don't think I've fully come back from that, but it was all I could find. I put a couple of those in a bottle of water and yeah, it was not good. I couldn't drink it. It was, it was pretty disgusting also. Um, and at that moment we were like, well, we've got to get going because we have to go, we have to go 15 miles with a 25 mile an hour headwind in one hour to make the cutoff you have to be a mile 81 by 415 it was exactly 315 or it doesn't count now it's one of those things you get to mile 80 you've got a tailwind coming all the way back so that's you make it 80 you're fine you make it to 80 at 416 they usually don't let you continue and i told these guys i was like and these guys are very new to the sport. Those are the guys, this isn't, it's not possible. And they go, well, but we have to try. And I'm like, okay. And in my mind, I thought there's, we've not maintained this with a headwind 15 all day. Now it's warmer. Who knows if the wind's stronger, but all my special needs are gone. I know without my salt, there's no way I can do it. 
And uh, definitely no time to stop at water stops along the way because there's no room for error, you know, and it's, it's, you got to get going. And so they take off. I'm just thinking what in this moment can I possibly do to make it to that point? My legs are cramping, locking up. I mean, my system is so depleted. The lack of food, the lack of water, my body is cannibalizing itself at this point. And honestly, two things I really wish I had at that time was three things, salt, my leaf, and my tiger balm. I had little things of tiger balm in all my bags so I could put it on my neck. A lot of these things I knew I wouldn't need in the beginning of the bike, but halfway through and at the end of the bike, I definitely would need it. And um, man, having those things out there, they crushed my soul. They made me feel even worse. And if anything else, I was just so dejected. And so, you know, we get on the bikes. These two guys take off. Um, one is older than me. And he said, you know, he had, he had, he did not finish a race just a few weeks ago, but he let they, the race let people just keep going, right? It just didn't count. And so he had done that. And, and here he was again behind schedule. Uh, the other guy was a younger guy, but very inexperienced and didn't have a triathlon bike. He had a road bike, so he had no aerodynamic advantage. But um, they take off, and the older gentleman, I didn't really see him again until, um, until I was already back. But the younger guy, you know, like I, I gave it everything I could, and I realized, you know, at my most uncomfortable moment of that bike ride, really pushing everything I had. And I know every time I kept going back to my, to that, well, it was, it was dry. There was nothing in there to help me. And I was the best I could do was average 14 miles an hour. And even 14 wasn't going to do it. So I really need to be around 16 to be able to give myself that little cushion I needed because the total road wasn't flat either. It had some kind of rolling hills. And, and that wind was just taking it out of you. Um, I didn't think it was hot. I didn't get sunburned. Like none of those things were a factor in, and at some point I'm just like, you know, I grabbed what I could at the next water stop. And it was just like one of those things. I just, I yelled, screamed, begged for salt, no salt. I was just in a bad, bad place. And, uh, a little bit further down the road and. I was like, you know what? I'm done. Pulled over the side of the road and just stood on my bike. I didn't have water. I didn't have anything. I was just, I was done. I was so dejected. I was upset, physically wrecked. And, and then this is kind of where everything really didn't unravel, but it showed just how messed up it was. You know, they had a lot of these radio operator volunteers on the course helping and then these vans, these little Dodge caravans, you know, that they, the race had rented. And, um, so they, they're picking me up. They put me in this van and they got my bike in the back of this van. It's kind of laying in there, you know, and the, the little gentleman that put it in was almost as big as my bike. Right. And, um, and they're taking all these calls. People are dropping like flies on this course and they're getting calls to pick people up, pick people up. And I hear them say, to each other in the front seat that they could they could probably take two more people in the van and i'm like 
guys, you, you can't fit two more people and two more bikes in this van. You can fit one more person in a seat and that's it. Like the bikes take up a lot of room in the back of a van, not, not broken down or anything. And this whole crew just weren't understanding that, you know? And, um, and then I see him, you know, so it's like, all right, we're heading back because we just can't uh, take any more people. Again, the radio is just blowing up. They're, they're pulling people left to right. And, uh, and on the side of the road up here, and there's, there's personnel with them, is, is this Team Agar. And um, the son is, is handicapped, or I'm not sure what's going on there, but the dad pulls him through the swim and carries him on a bike, a special bike. And it's a big, long bike. And he pushes him in like a wheelchair on the run. And we've all seen these stories. And um, and it's it's incredible. And on the side, you know, the guy, the the son's in the the seat he's in. Someone's holding the bike and the dad's just laying on the ground like he's wrecked too. I guess that wind just destroyed him or who knows. And um, he's wrecked. And they're trying to figure out how to get them in this van that I'm in. Or another band, or I, I don't even know what they're doing. And they're just, there's so much chaos that I found it best to remove myself from that situation. I said, tell you what, guys, let me out of the van. Let's put them in the van. Me and my bike will wait on the side of the road so you guys can figure this out. I was like, I'm okay. I don't need medical. I just need to get back because I'm done. And so they, they let me out. I get out. I'm on the side. I'm just like waiting I don't even know that I paid attention to what they were doing over there. I was just so over here in my little space, dejected. They got them back okay. Someone came and checked on me. I was like, look, do you have any water? And this nice lady like had a small bottle of water in her Jeep that she she gave me. And I mean, it helped me, but I was just wrecked. And uh, then I finally get back and, you know, and they just drop you off out front. Like they don't really check on you they just get you out of their vehicle and then they're done and it was one of those things i then had to go in i i just wanted another shirt because i could not zip up or you know close my my cycling jersey it was just so tight and my other shoes are in the transition and my other bags i just wanted my stuff and i knew that that the friends and the people that would help would find me eventually if i just stayed where i was but I needed water. Like it was, I was in a bad, bad place. And so I, um, I finally just, um, I found somebody to watch my bike. And when I did that, I walked around and it, it took me forever. I could barely, I couldn't take five steps without just cramping and almost falling down. And I thought, as I'm trying to walk to my bag, why is no one offering to help me go get my bag? Like they're all just kind of like, hey, watch this guy. You know, it was this real weird vibe about it all. And I got my stuff, got waited out there and waited. And then, you know, I did see that older gentleman being brought in. Like he was brought back in. Uh, they did not let him continue. But just like me, it took him an hour to get back in once they figured out vehicles and all that stuff. And yeah, it's difficult, but it's one of those things, you know, it was, it was very troubled by i guess ironman's training on their volunteers um and actually i actually took time to send them an email and just say that you know this was a very dangerous situation you close special needs an hour early and you had a lot of people in the course that hadn't even been there yet 
I mean, how many bags were left untouched? Like, what were you, what were they thinking? And obviously someone made a mistake and chose to just close that shop easy, whatever. And, and uh, I don't know, it just really upset me, but I feel like they put me in a dangerous situation. Now then weeks removed from it, I realized that, again, this is on me. You know, my backups were closed up. Had I had my backups with me and then my backups to my backups, like I've always been taught to do, I would have been fine. Had I took the time and transition to make sure my stomach felt better before I headed out, like get that gas pain or whatever it was out of me, I would have felt better. Um, several of my other friends, when they came out of the water, they threw up immediately. They felt sick immediately. They smelled disgusting water. Um, a lot of people got sick days later. I'd be interesting to see the E. coli levels in that water because it was pretty bad. And I feel like they forced a race in unsafe, unclean water and it, and it showed up. My body's always been way more sensitive to things like that, that, uh, they show up right away, not a day or so later. But it took me about three, four days to come back from that. Like I was, I was pretty wrecked for a little while, but um, yeah, it was, uh, it was a brutal day. And it wasn't that I was not physically unready. It wasn't that, you know, my food, I, I really feel like that water was so dirty. It made me, made me sick. You always ingest a little bit of it. It's not possible not to. Um, but I was ready to get out of the the woodlands pretty quick. And it was one of those things. I just don't, that race is not the most ideal location. I mean, the swim is horrible and the bike course on the tollway is ridiculous. Like that road shouldn't even be a tollway anymore because it's not in good condition. There's holes. There's, I mean, it's just rough. Um, but I, I know now looking back from looking forward from that past race, I, there's plenty of races that have clean bodies of water. And I think that's where I would rather swim in clean water than put myself through that disgusting mess again. Like I'm, I'm totally swimming in mud. I don't want to, I don't want to do that. So anyway, that's how my Ironman went down. Um, not sad. I'm not dejected by it. I mean, it was a lot of little learning things along the way. A lot of things I knew from a long time ago that I just ignored thinking, there's so much support out here, though, but we'll be fine. And that just wasn't the case. There was a lot of bodies, but they were not supportive. They, they were not helpful one bit. They were untrained. So that's kind of, um, you know, it's kind of my, that's my take on the race. And that's how it went for me. But I will never, 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 never do the Woodlands again. When I say I will never, 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 that's just like Vineman. Vineman to me was such a whole race years ago that I said I will never go back to Vineman. And here I am, never going back to Vineman. All right, guys. Well, thanks for tuning in. Thanks for being here once again. And uh, I will see y'all next time. Bye.